We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. The Illini had a nice week off this week, headed to East Lansing, chance for a quad one win, and boy, did the end of the game not go particularly well for them as Illinois gave that one away, had a marquee opportunity not only to boost their own resume, but to keep Michigan State on the bubble and Michigan State stepped up, took this game from Illinois. Very frustrating loss. Dare I say the most frustrating loss we've had so far this season. And we're here to talk about all of it because there is a lot to talk about. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host Mike Farmer. And Mike, what's the mood for you after that loss yesterday? Am I going too far calling that the most frustrating loss of the year? Obviously losing to Maryland at home is an inexcusable loss. That one was frustrating. But Illinois should have won that game in East Lansing. They had the lead late. We'll talk about it. But how frustrated are you about that one? Yeah. Uh, when the final buzzer when the final buzzer sounded, I don't think I said a word out loud for like three hours after that. But I've recovered a little bit. It's been a fun weekend of college basketball, so I can't complain yeah. too much. But you know, a lot of top ten teams, a lot of ranked teams going down, especially on the road. Unfortunately, Illinois is in that group too. So I'm still kind of pissed off, but. I'm fine. Illinois is still 18 and five, 17 and six, whatever we are. We're, we're still fine. I think. Yeah. 17 and six, eight and four in the big 10. Now the four losses have come, man, they've been in all four of those games. They, they could have won a lot of those. Um, but yesterday was one where you just had to win that game when you're up eight with six and a half minutes left and you just fumbled a game away, like truly Michigan state, Give them credit. I mean, I thought their three best players played pretty well with Hogard, Malik Hall, Tyson Walker, even though he was hurt, played pretty well. But Michigan State didn't go out there and do anything extraordinary to win that game. Illinois gave it away. I mean, that's as simple as that. They go 7-17 without making a shot to close out the game other than one garbage time field goal with like 30 seconds left. And, uh, and they turn it over four times. Two of the turnovers were just unbelievably dumb and avoidable. And Michigan State gets out in transition, just takes the game right from your grasp. And, uh, and Illinois' defensive issues continued to pop up as well as you give up 88 points to a Michigan State team who was in the 50s at Minnesota earlier in the week. And uh, it, 
something off about Illinois right now, especially in these road games. Like they feel like they play better basketball. We were just talking about this before we came on. It feels like Illinois actually plays better on the road, but they can't actually finish those road games. Whereas they play very uninspired at home and they find ways to close and squeak them out. They play better basketball on the road, but late game, they have been atrocious in their road games this year. What do you make of the way this game finished? Illinois had a chance to win, and to me, they just completely fumbled it away. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think every Illinois fan that watched that game totally agrees with you. Up eight with eight minutes. You had a couple chances around the eight-minute mark to extend it to 10, extend it to 11. I'm not saying that would have put the game completely completely out of reach, but like going up 11 on a wide-open Justin Harmon three, going up 10 on a wide-open Luke Goody three, that they just missed by a little bit and kind of gives you a bad omen for the rest of the game. And after that, Illinois just completely chokes. So much to talk about, especially about that last eight minutes of the game. I don't really know where to start other than just going seven minutes without a bucket can't happen. We saw that kind of similar thing happen early in the year against Marquette at home. Wasn't I don't think it was as bad as that, but they pretty much went silent for the last 10 minutes of the game after regaining the lead uh, in the middle of the second half kind of fell apart at Tennessee, obviously a really tough environment. Like nobody's really saying Illinois is a terrible team because they didn't score for five minutes against Tennessee or Marquette, but it's definitely a concern if you're trying to be a fan of a team that wants to win two games in March, wants to make an elite eight, stuff like that, that every Illinois fan wants. It's, it's stuff that can't really happen at this point in the season. Um, definitely some questionable rotational issues, like non-substitutions after like at, I'm kind of getting into the finer details of the game, but after Goody missed that free throw with four minutes left, obviously it's a live ball situation, but not putting Ty Rogers or Quincy Garrier back in the game immediately was, I felt it was a death sentence. Like I was, I was screaming at my TV to get Goody out of the game. No offense to Luke. I think he played fine overall, but it, it just wasn't a, the time for him to be in the game. I'm not sure why he's really in that crunch time, close out the game lineup. Gave up like gave up an and one, gave up a couple rebounds, couldn't secure a rebound, wasn't really hitting his shots towards the end of the game. So that was really questionable. Obviously, like you mentioned, uh, just two brutal turnovers with under two or three minutes to go. That was really the death sentence in the game. But overall, just not hitting shots for the whole game standpoint. I think they did hit shots. They played pretty well offensively, I think, like with Coleman. He was facilitating really well. He was hitting his own shots. Terrence Shannon had almost 30 points. That was a great uh, great game from him personally. Uh, but just overall, the defense struggled the whole game, I think. Like giving up 88, to, uh, 88 points to Michigan State, whether it's at home, on the road, wherever it is, that's kind of unacceptable. Um, Malik Hall and A.J. Hogarth, they're fine players. I don't think they're as good as a lot of fans think they are. But giving up 45 points to, the, to them combined is uh, – not the recipe to success for Illinois. So uh, just a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about them all here, but I don't want to take up too much time here. So back to you, Kyle. Yeah, no, I want to hit on the Luke Goody point because I thought he did really hurt him down the stretch. I, I disagreed with that decision. I was just like you. I was audibly wondering why he was still in the game at times there just because like it's obvious like he's playing the four in that crunch time lineup basically 
because you have Quincy Garia on the bench, you have uh, Ty Rogers on the bench. And so Michigan State has a good four-man offensively that can exploit a mismatch at that position. And Illinois basically gave that to them down the stretch where you're trying to close a game out. You need stops, especially when your offense can't muster anything up and you're turning the ball over. And Michigan State can go and give it to Malik Hall, who's 6'8 and physical against Luke Goody in the post. Like, that that's leaving Luke out to dry. Like that's not Luke's fault that he's getting beaten that matchup. That's a coaching decision that you're putting him in a position to fail there. And you're putting your team at a disadvantage because that's a matchup that Michigan state's going to go to every time. And to be honest with you, Luke Goody has been exploited by almost every opposing coach that Illinois has gone up against in the last month. Like teams have caught on, like, I think Luke Goody, like I, I like Luke a lot as a college bench piece. I think he brings you toughness. He brings you effort. Obviously, he makes shots for you. You need that shooting threat off the bench. But he is food defensively a lot of the time. I mean, that's just the way it is. And he's your weakest defender on your team. And coaches have caught on to that where we're going to exploit that mismatch. We're going to try to get those switches. Illinois switching almost everything, especially when Coleman's in the game. And coaches are like, all right, let's get Luke Goody switched onto one of our best players and eat that matchup alive. And that's what pretty much every opponent has done here. I mean, you think back to Northwestern, and Northwestern was going to work late in the game with Luke Goody getting switched onto Bowie and whoever else it was. And Malik Hall just had his way with Luke late in the game. And, and again, that's not Luke's fault because he's at a mismatch. He's at a disadvantage in that um, matchup. And, and I thought Brad Underwood should have gone away from him. I don't think Luke Goody's necessarily the right piece to have on the floor when you're protecting a lead and you need stops on the other end to close a game out. I think he's a good piece when you're trying to come back from a deficit or you need offense. And I mean, they did need offense when they didn't score for seven minutes, but I didn't really think that's what lost him the game. I thought the fact that they just couldn't get stops and they left him out to dry and Malik Hall had back-to-back and ones to give Michigan State the lead. And they couldn't secure defensive rebounds because Luke Goody's trying to box out 6-8-2-30 Malik Hall and can't secure a defensive rebound and picks up a foul. It's just I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand why Ty Rogers wasn't on the floor for 11 of the final 13 minutes of the game after we talked about in the last episode how finally Brad Underwood's trusting Ty Rogers to be on the court late and he's played really well and he's going to rebound. I guarantee you he gets a couple of those defensive rebounds that Goody couldn't secure there. And, uh, and he's just more physical. He's a more physical matchup for anyone on Michigan State. Uh, and really, you didn't score for seven minutes, so he wasn't changing that offensively. Maybe he even gets you a bucket because he's such a good cutter and offensive rebounder, and maybe he gets you one or two buckets just with pure effort late that closes the game out. I didn't understand why he wasn't on the floor. I thought that was a poor decision by Brad Underwood, and I just think he's one of your five best players, and he should be closing out. He's one of your starters for a reason. Your starting lineup is Ty Rogers, Marcus Damas, Terrence Shannon, Quincy Garrier, Coleman Hawkins. I think that's your rightful starting lineup because those are your best five players. So put your best five players on the court to close out leads and road games. That's what I want to see. And uh, for as useful of a bench piece as I think Luke Goody is, as much as I like him and what he brings, he's not one of your five best players. And in fact, he's a guy that has been exploited far too often in games. So I don't, I didn't see why he was on the court there. I thought that's a move that might have won Illinois the game if Brad Underwood pulled the trigger on it. And especially, like you said, if he's not going to make a one-on-one on, one one free throw, the front end of a one-on-one on one free throw, where that was actually the, the one positive play that he made late was that he battled for a rebound and got fouled. 
uh, and had a chance to go to the free throw line to give you a lead with like 240 to go or 340 to go, whatever it was, misses a free throw. At that point, I'm sorry, but he just can't be closing the game for you. So uh, that's that's kind of I completely agree that I thought that was that really hurt Illinois late. That's crazy, too. He's like a 38 percent three point shooter, but he's shooting, I think, sub 65 at this point from the free throw line, too. That's that's a wild thing. But another thing with the Luke Goody, like getting bodied, posted up by Malik Hall, just a terrible matchup. But then also you have Coleman at the five, obviously, who's a really great defender, but he has four fouls at that point with sub eight minutes, sub four minutes in the game. So it's not like Coleman can come over and like help on a, if Luke Goody gets beat, like just overall Luke's in a terrible position. I think Brad did a really terrible job towards the end of the game with the rotation uh, as he did as he did against Northwestern in our last loss too, like you mentioned, Boo Booey exploiting uh, Luke Goody and Damask too at that point, and now Malik Hall is just bodying Luke Goody in the post. So uh, some things to work on, and some things that I think Brad has to fix defensively, rotation wise, towards the end of the game. But uh, there there were definitely some encouraging things about that game. Like I think Coleman Hawkins continued his stretch of really good games overall. Like he was facilitating super well. Some of his passes were great. Some of those cross-court skip passes were awesome. Uh, he was hitting a couple threes. That technical was disgusting, dude. Like, We got a new candidate for worst tech I've seen with the RJ one in the tournament, yeah. the RJ Melendez Ram hang. That one is 1A, 1B with that one. With I mean, he's talking to the crowd. I mean, come on. That's a pathetic technical foul. Yeah, I think even the Aikens one, it doesn't get called in a normal game, but I get there was like a little You have to call that set. one. If you're calling yeah, that on Coleman, got to call that one. Tech. I think all of them are soft. I mean, you should yeah. be able to say a word to somebody who's talking to you after you make a shot. I think it's all soft, but uh, keep going. Sorry. I think the refs just in general were terrible. I'm not saying that they cost Illinois the game at all because they didn't, but overall for both teams, they missed like, well, two terrible technicals, a couple, like three or four missed goaltends. Like, how the hell does that happen in a like My huge Lord. Big Ten game? <laughs> that one call on Carson Cooper when he was trying to – when Coleman was posting him up, and he, he didn't even get touched. Like, usually when there's a terrible call that goes, like, like uh, in favor of Illinois, I'm happy. But at that point, I was just like, can we fix – like, this game's not even fun to watch at this point if they're calling that. But – uh. Back to my points about Illinois. Like, I think Terrence Shannon played super well. Obviously, a lot of his points were from the free throw line, but that's how he was scoring uh, before the sus- before the suspension too. So nothing really to like complain about there. He had a couple threes too. I think he played super well overall. Had seven rebounds also. I think that was probably his best game since the suspension for sure. Uh, he was getting to the hoop pretty easily. He, I think he had one bucket in transition, or at least a couple that led to free throws. Uh, some points from the line there. Coleman played super well, seven assists, just a crazy number. Hit two threes as well, two steals. Um, I think Quincy Garrier, he got in foul trouble early, so he just kind of struggled as a result of that. Couldn't really get going at any points. He did hit a big three at one point, which was nice to see. But he's had some he's had some shaky games. He's also had some great games in this last past month or so, but he has had some shaky games. I think he's been less consistent this past month than he was uh, the month prior. Ty Rogers, I think he played well when he was in the game, but just we've had the discussion the past two weeks about how he's not playing uh, in the final 10 minutes of the game. You just talked about it for a couple minutes there. It just doesn't make sense because the offense, I think it was working pretty well when he was in the game. Like 
I get there's concern if he's clogging up the paint because he's not a three-point threat. He's not a shooting threat at all, really. And I think it was working fine. Like, Coleman was in the high post a couple times. We got the ball to Coleman. He was throwing cross-court passes, skip passes for open threes. There were guys cutting. Ty Rogers was finding lanes to cut through. And I think the offense was working well. And just I don't really understand why he's not in the game defensively and offensively towards the end of the game. I get he's not perfect defensively. Obviously, Goody's not perfectly either. Not better perfect than Goody, either. better than Harmon. I, know. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I know, like, Ty Rogers probably isn't bodying Malik Hall in the paint, but just give a different matchup than Goody on 6-8 Malik Hall. Like, it, it just didn't make sense to me. I know we keep mentioning that, but I think that was really one of the things that cost Illinois the game down the stretch. Other than that, uh, I think Damask played fine, like 12 points, four rebounds, brutal turnover at the end. He did have some great hustle plays. Like, I think he extended a couple possessions, just, like, grabbing rebounds, tipping the ball out to guys, getting fouled, so... I think he played fine. But overall, Terrence carried the offense, I think, uh, a lot of free throws, which were huge. Coleman played really well offensively. Everybody else didn't struggle, but, like, he didn't have too many standout guys against Michigan State. And the thing is, you were still in the game. Like, you're up eight with eight minutes to go. Some of your huge rotational pieces aren't having great games. That says something about this Illinois team. I think we're going to talk later about our overall thoughts on this team. Like, are they competing in March? How do they close out games? But I think there's something to be said about in your six losses, you're leading late. You're leading in the fourth quarter of the game. I, I get Purdue. You had to come back, have a massive comeback on the road. But still, you're in all these games. You've just kind of fallen apart down the stretch, fallen apart defensively, had some bad turn bad turnover, stuff like that. But there is something to be said about Illinois, at least being in every game. And I think that's a positive thing uh, come March. Yeah, they haven't lost a game by double digits yet this year in any of their six losses. Now, I know sometimes that's misleading because, like, Purdue was up double digits for 36 of the 40 minutes or whatever. But, you know, I, I still think there's some merit to that. And there hasn't really been a game this year where Illinois hasn't had a chance to win coming down to the final minutes. Um, so there is something to say about that. Um, yeah, just to kind of hit on Illinois' best players as you were kind of going through there. I thought Coleman was the best player for Illinois in this game, even though Terrence Shannon had 28. I thought everything was running through Coleman, and he was making almost every right decision. Now, he had a couple turnovers late. So did half the team. Um, just kind of a total team meltdown, so I'm not going to pin, you know, one of Coleman's turnovers that he blew the game or anything like that. And It was a poor decision on the one where he just threw it out of bounds. But uh, I thought he was great. And, and give Brad Underwood credit. As much as I disagreed with some of the rotational decisions, I thought he found something that worked, especially in the second half, because in this game, Marcus Damask did not have the mismatch that he usually has. I think A.J. Hogard has guarded Damask as good as anybody that Illinois has played has guarded him this year, to be honest. I just think he's as physical as anyone has played him. Damask shot three two-pointers on Saturday. I mean, I can't remember. It has to be like two months since Damask attempted three or less twos in a game now he made three threes which was good to see actually uh but he just wasn't it, brad underwood realized that he didn't have the matchup michigan state was guarding him well michigan state was sending some traps at him but really they were letting hogard just be physical with them one-on-one -on -one, and i thought the mask couldn't really move him very well and, and get to where he wanted to go so 
Illinois was really running everything through Coleman in the second half where they'd run that kind of empty post up where he's got Jaden Akins or Malik Hall on him. And you're going to space out your other four guys to the weak side. And Coleman's either going to take this guy one-on-one if Michigan state doesn't send help or if Michigan state sends help Coleman found so many open shooters, he could add 10 assists in this game. If some open threes went in um, when he made some really nice cross court skip passes, um, I just trust him the most with the ball in his hands in terms of decision-making of anyone on the team, really, which is kind of crazy. You're five men. I think I have the most trust with Coleman passing and making decisions. Um, but yeah, I just, Damask to me, I, I didn't think he played great in this game, especially like he's really your, your quote unquote point guard late in games where he's bringing the ball up and he's getting his pocket picked by Hogard one time. He had that horrible turnover, I don't know. I just, I, to me, for as good as he's been, I feel like he's just a little overwhelmed when he's the guy that Brad Underwood has basically put the ball in his hands in every late game moment. And, you know, I, I thought you maybe should have gone right back to Coleman Hawkins late in the game on, on some of these possessions. And I think you were trying to get the mask going and put the ball in his hands. And to be honest with you, I would have rather had Coleman Hawkins initiate everything late with the way that he was playing. And also Terrence Shannon. Almost nothing was ran through him in the final eight minutes when Illinois went on that scoring drive. Now, he got to the free throw line once. He had a couple times where he kind of settled, pulled up, missed a mid-range jump shot. But that ball's got to touch his hands so much more late. When he's got 28 points and he's got 13 free throw attempts, and you can see that every time he drives, three Michigan State defenders are collapsing, and 80% of the time it's going to be a foul or it's going to be a kick out or a pass to a cutter, whatever it is. And Shannon, I thought, did not have nearly enough touches late in the game for as well as he was playing for most of it. And so that's just that's part of the problem late in games is I don't think Illinois knows who to give the basketball to. And that's where the true point guard thing, which we really haven't had to talk about much. And again, I'm not trying to say that Illinois' biggest problem is that. It isn't. I think defensively is their biggest problem right now, which we can get to in a minute. But not having a true point guard late in these games where you know the ball will be in my point guard's hands and he's going to get us into our offense and he's going to make the right decision. He's going to protect the ball. Illinois doesn't have that guy. So it's been a lot of Damask and he struggled at times in that role. Shannon's never getting the ball in, in these crunch time possessions unless it's passed to him off an action or whatever it is. And, and Coleman Hawkins, I think Illinois still runs so much through him, but kind of goes away from him in the biggest moments of the game, which I don't really understand because I think he's probably your best decision maker. So I think that's something Illinois has got to figure out is you got to figure out who the guy is. And I also think Ty Rogers could help in that category. Like Ty Rogers is one of your best ball handlers. He's developed into that, and he's on the bench. And Justin Harmon is handling the ball and has two crucial turnovers, which, sorry, Justin, but the last two games can't inbound the ball against Nebraska twice, and now you have two crucial turnovers here late. I don't want him in the game in crunch time uh, until he proves otherwise. I'd rather have Ty. So that's something I've always got to figure out. you got to figure out who your go-to guys are late. I feel like they want it to be Damask, but he's not really coming through. So, you know – Maybe give Terrence Shannon a shot. Maybe put it in Coleman's hands if you're, he's going to have seven assists to two turnovers in a game. That's something Brad Underwood, to me, has to figure out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, you sure. think back to the Northwestern game. Like, that last possession where you could win in regulation and Damask kind of just plays booty ball for, like, 20 seconds. I think at this point... Well, he did get a fine shot. Like, it was fully contested, honestly, but almost went in. So I can't complain too much about that. But I think at this point in the season, I know there wasn't really a point with, like, a minute left where Illinois was down to or tied with Michigan State. But some of these possessions, I would rather see Terrence Shannon just taking the ball, going full speed, and drawing a foul, most likely, instead of Damask holding the ball for 20 seconds and then trying to create something with five seconds left on the shot clock, like, there were a lot of possessions. I get, like you mentioned, A.J. Hogard was a tough matchup for Damask. Like, there were a lot of possessions where I think in previous games, Damask would have been playing booty ball for 10 seconds, really finding a post up and getting down to the low post. But instead, he kind of turned away from that against Michigan State, and he was just holding the ball for like 10, 15 seconds uh, at the top of the key and then trying to create something. Like, I just – I don't think it really worked. So I think – Terrence Shannon did actually get a decent amount of shots towards the end of the game. So I'm not saying that he didn't get that. Like, I think he did have a couple threes. He got to the hoop a couple times. He just ended up missing his shots. Like around the, around the five, six minute mark, like he had, he missed a three. The next possession, I think he missed a mid range. Like if those, if those shots go in, we're talking about a totally different result of the game. Most likely. I think the shots just didn't drop towards the end of the game. Uh, like going on a seven-minute scoreless stretch was kind of shocking. Like I think some of the shots you did get were fine. Some of the possessions were bad. Obviously, the turnovers were bad. I would have liked to see them go to Coleman a little bit more because he was hot. Like he had a couple threes. He was playing pretty well offensively, even if he's not the one shooting. He was finding those uh, cross-court skip passes for guys for wide-open threes. Like you said, uh, he could have taken this guy one-on-one. Like I trust Coleman against Carson Cooper or Jackson Kohler a lot more than Damask against Hogard towards the end of the game. And even if uh, Michigan State sends a double, like they send Jaden Akins over there or something, I trust Coleman to find that open guy like you mentioned earlier. So I would say I would rather have Terrence going to the, going to the hoop or Coleman trying to facilitate something rather than Damask just playing booty ball or whatever result we're going to get off the Damask post up. And I just 
I think that's like what I want to see from Illinois going down the stretch if we're in a close game. Yeah, and I'm not even trying to say that I don't want the ball in DeMass' hands because I do trust him more than most guys on this team. I think he's earned that. I think he can create his offense. I just think like in the Michigan State game, he didn't have the right matchup. Like he he wasn't very good. He wasn't one of your top two players in that game. And it was clear that he just wasn't really getting to where he wanted to go. Whereas in other games, like I thought he had a great game against Northwestern. So yeah, I'm fine having the ball in his hands in those crucial moments. But I thought Coleman was your best facilitator, your best initiator. Felt like it didn't touch his hands near enough. Now I will say, to be fair to that, they were trying to get him the ball in that empty post-up action and DeMath threw it right to A.J. Hogard for a turnover. So they were trying to. Um, but it's just, I just feel like there's a lot of like, confusion for Illinois. I, I don't even know what the right word is, but down the stretch of games, it doesn't feel like they have an identity where they do for most of the game. I think they've been really good on offense in some of these road games for like 35 minutes of the game, getting anything they want. And then when you need baskets the most, and when you need to try to close out a game, they just kind of get all jumbled up and you don't really know where the ball is supposed to be. And they kind of go away from what's been getting them those open looks all game long. I think you saw that against Northwestern where Illinois just couldn't get that last bucket that they needed. They could not get it here where I thought they played a really good 33 minutes offensively. And then the final seven, it just didn't feel like they had a, a plan and the ball was in different guys' hands at different times. And why on earth is Justin Harmon turning it even in a position to turn it over twice? So uh, I just uh, – that's something. Just late in games, this team hasn't been good on the road. And most teams aren't. Like, that's – you go on the road, the reason it's so hard to win is because you're in that environment and it, a lot of times the home team's going to make more plays. But I just think a lot of these aren't – you're getting beat on the road. You're beating yourself, and that's avoidable if Illinois figures out exactly what they want to do late in these games and, and the ball's in the right guy's hands. And I just – Yesterday, I didn't think it really was. I didn't think that they did what was working uh, late in the game, and that really hurt them. Um, Shannon in general, though, I thought it was great to see him get to the foul line 13 times, and I thought he was the best overall game that he's played since he's returned from suspension. Now, still 7 for 19 from the floor, but I will say like three or four of those shots were in garbage time. He's trying to score late and brick some shots. Um, so he's really more like seven for 15, seven for 16 in, in shots that mattered. Um, and 28 points is obviously the most he scored. Uh, did think he settled a little bit too much for that three-point shot when he's getting to the foul line so much. I didn't think that he needed some of those threes, especially the one, like you said, where he kind of pulled up for a tough shot and then contested mid-range shot. Like, you got to drive, 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 drive. When the ball's in your hands, I want you going downhill and, and force an action. And if you turn it over once, that's fine, but... I, I think Michigan State was going to follow him every time he drove pretty much um, in that game. So, uh, But it was nice to see him have that big of a game. What, what do you make of it? you think he's just kind of slowly getting back to that All-American level, or do you think that there's still something missing there with him? I think he definitely is. But real quick, I want to go back to the late game just situation sure. uh, one more time. Just think about our losses this year. You lose at Marquette. You lose towards the end of the game, like it comes down to late game situations. Who does Marquette have the have the ball in their hands? It's Tyler Kolek. Obviously, he's an All American, like a really good player. But they know they know who has the ball. They know who's going to facilitate something towards the end of the game. I think to Tennessee, they have Dalton Connect. Like he's going to have the ball in his hands pretty much every possession towards the end of the game. Purdue's going to have Braden Smith lobbing it to Edie, uh, getting Edie a post touch. Obviously, like 
I'm not stupid. These are all all Americans, but Illinois has their own all American too. Like Terrence Shannon was an all American lock before the suspension. Maryland has Jameer Young, who's going to touch the ball every time. Northwestern has Boo Booey, who's going to come off a screen and get a touch, have the ball at the top of the key and get a touch and get a shot most likely. Um, Michigan State, Tyson Walker's probably going to touch the ball. Like these guys all have, all, I mean, all these teams have really great players, just as Illinois does in Terrence and Coleman, honestly. So I just, I think it's kind of confusing when you have Damask just holding the ball for like 15, 20 seconds uh, and looking for something out of a booty ball, like post up. So I, I don't know, just I, I want to see Terrence with the ball in his hands more like you do towards the end of the game or Coleman at least. But yeah, I think Terrence did play really well overall offensively. Adding seven rebounds too, that's that's what you want to see out of him. He's never really been a great passer, a great facilitator. Like he's like when he drives, he's shooting or he's getting fouled. He's not driving and kicking out, which is like, that's not what you expect from him. I do agree he's settling for a lot of threes. Like it made more sense early in the year because he was hitting at a 42% clip or whatever it was. Uh, since the suspension, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's it's got to be sub 25%, I'm guessing, at this point. Uh, but like he hit the first three of the game for Illinois. And then after that, what were his numbers? He was two for something. Uh two for nine. So one for eight after that three. So he's hitting a couple threes, but like taking nine threes, I think he was, he wasn't shooting that many before the suspension. So it, it, it's interesting that he's settling, like, because when he is driving, he's getting fouled or he's probably making a tough layup. So I want to see him doing that more instead of just settling for threes at the, at the top of the key. Like the little crossover slow, like step back was working before the suspension it still worked a couple times, but overall the success rate, it's just, it's down on that. But he is still shooting better the f- past few games than he was the first few games, which is good to see. So I think the shooting will get back to like at least 30%, 35% uh, as the year progresses. But I don't think he'll be shooting like he was before the suspension for the rest of the year, which is, it's tough to see, but he's still a great driver. He's still great in transition, which Illinois just hasn't really gotten many transition uh touches for him because Illinois just they they don't get many steals they don't force a ton of turnovers like they did in past years so that kind of limits him in the tra- in the transition but when he is in transition he's lethal he's getting fouled 90 percent of the time or he's making a tough layup so I think he is getting back to his form I I don't think he'll be back to the 22 point per game whatever shooting percentages whatever like great defense he was playing because I think the Illinois defense has changed since he left. Like the Illinois defense was forcing tough twos, not really letting teams hit threes against them. Uh, and it was just a really good defense overall. But now since the suspension, some teams are lighting us up from three, like Northwestern hits 10 plus threes, Nebraska hits 10 plus threes on us. That wasn't really happening before the suspension. The really good guards are just getting to the rim at will. Like Tyson Walker played, pretty well he went quiet for a little bit but I think he still played pretty solidly uh Hogard played well Boo cooked us Jameer Young kind of cooked us he got to the hoop at will yep so it's been interesting to see but I I do think overall Terrence Shannon will get back to 80 90 percent of his pre-suspension form at some point this year well yeah and you bring up the the best point of all really in that Illinois defense has been so bad that they haven't gotten out in transition nearly as much as they were early in the season. And that has limited Terrence Shannon's efficiency and effectiveness because that's where he's the most lethal. And if you're going to be giving up 88 points and you're just not 
and then Michigan State's one of the better transition defenses in the country, but if your defense slips, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to get out and run as much, and that's really, I think, hurt Terrence because he's just – he's good, but he's just not like a guy who's going to totally break you down in the half court and, and pop off for 30, creating one-on-one shots in the half court. Like, he's got to get out and run and, and play in space more for him to really be the the guy that was putting up 33 on Missouri and FAU and, and, and those teams early in the year where he was just getting out and – Half of his points are coming in transition. He's getting fouled. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today big news guys i am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with autograph a company founded by the goat himself tom brady the autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. Uh, but that really, to me, is where I want to go next is defense because this Illinois team has been just flat bad on the defensive end for about a month now, even longer. Just looking up, we I brought up a similar 
stat a couple episodes ago, I think, and it's just gotten worse and worse ever since. Since Christmas, Illinois 96th in defensive efficiency in the country per Bartorvik. They were 19th pre-Christmas. Um, and obviously a lot of that, again, aligns with when Terrence Shannon got suspended, but it hasn't gotten better since he's gotten back at all. And this team's just not getting stops, and there's so many weaknesses in this defense. It's not one thing, really. It's guys are dominating them in the post, and it doesn't even have to be centers now. We've seen, obviously, Coleman's a mismatch, uh, and guys are attacking him in the post. But when you got Malik Hall and Luke Goody, which we already talked about, that's one that teams are going to exploit. You just don't have the four men that are standing up. And then guards are just destroying Illinois off the bounce. I mean, A.J. Hogard got to the rim easily in this game. I thought was beating Illinois' guards off the dribble. Tyson Walker got going early. Illinois was busting some switches there, allowing him to get wide open mid-range shots. They just completely went under a screen on a three for him, which he made, which is his only three-point attempt of the game, which is the the funny thing was that Michigan State attempted eight threes in this game. So Brad Underwood, if he just sees that number in a vacuum, he's probably thrilled because that's what he wants to see. Illinois doesn't allow threes. But you know what? When you're Swiss cheese in the paint, I don't, you know, eight three-point attempts means nothing because a team's still going to get 88 points on you. This is a Michigan State team who had 56 against Minnesota. I understand Minnesota's a little better this year. They had 56 points four days ago against Minnesota, 63 points in a win against Maryland. They had 66 points against Wisconsin, who looks pathetic right now. They've lost four straight. And you're giving up 88. to. I mean, it's just – I, they've got good players. I get it. And their their good players showed up in this game, but they play such a slow, methodical style of basketball. And they've got such inconsistent pieces where for most of the season, it's been Tyson Walker's doing everything for this team. And they're in the fifties and the sixties trying to grind wins out. And you let them get 23 transition points, get whatever they want in the paint. I don't know what the total points in the paint difference was in this game, but Illinois has been losing that battle almost every single game they've played here for the last month. And, uh, and that happened again. So there's some really concerning trends with this defense. And um, I think that that really, to me, like, we talk about the late game struggles. We talk about how, you know, you don't have a point guard that you can go to late in the game. All that stuff is an issue that needs to get figured out. But this team's still a top six offense in the sport so far this year analytically. That's not what's going to hold this team back. It's going to be the fact that they've now dropped – outside the top 40 in adjusted defensive efficiency this year. And it's been a while since you can look back and say, Illinois defended well against a good offensive team. It's probably been since January 2nd against Northwestern that you can say that. Um, And I think that's really what this team's biggest problem is right now. Would you agree with that? 100%. Like you can talk as much as you want about the, late game offensive struggles like who should be bringing the ball up whatever you want to talk about offensively that goes on game to game but game to game defensively for the past month and a half Illinois the defense has been their issue like if you want to go on a final four run which I don't think is very likely at this point all things considered uh you're gonna need like a miraculous Miami like run from last year Miami was like the biggest outlier defensively to ever make a final four recently I'm pretty sure they were in like the 90s. Like Illinois is not at that range for the whole season wide scope. But recently, since Christmas, like you mentioned, they are in that range. So uh, the offense, really good game to game, like some struggles, some inconsistencies here and there, like whatever you want to point to. But the defense, like guards just baking us. Like even 
uh, or let's start with the centers. Like uh, Trey Kaufman ran cooks us from Purdue. Like Matthew Nicholson even has a good game for Northwestern. Uh, Cliff on Rutgers hits a three against us. That I mean, that's random. Julian but like, Reese dominated. Julian Reese cooks us. Uh, Terrence I mean, Reed State's... can't score. He has 20 on you. I know you won that yeah. game, but Michigan State's big men are laughable. Like, if they combine for a double double, there's something wrong with your defense. I don't know if they that's did that. That's the other thing, too, though, is you don't even have to guard Michigan State centers. When they, they played Sissoko and Carson Cooper, and Coleman Hawkins literally just gets to be a help defender roaming the paint because you don't have to guard those guys. It's literally like Ty Rogers in the Purdue game flipped, where you literally are playing five on four defensively, and Michigan State puts up 88. I mean, that that's pathetic. I mean, yeah, like, Four of their eight rotation pieces, Sissoko, Cooper, Kohler, even Trey Holloman, like, contributed absolutely nothing. They were probably net negatives on the whole game. And Hogard and Hall combined for 45. They go for 88 as a team. Like, I just – I don't really get what's happened. You think there's been, like, a schematic change since Shannon went out? Like, I I don't know because even – you think back to the FAU game, like, there were still kind of some concerns with the big man. I know Vlad Golden's, like, 7'2". He's a – athletic freak but he went for 20 like that was his career high uh john l davis elijah or i think john l davis cooked us i don't know if elijah martin played that well but like there's been some concerns honestly do you think the defense was rated so high because like the week non-con like i i really don't know what it is because they were forcing tough twos and now certain teams are lighting us up from three there's certain teams in the big Ten that don't really shoot threes that are still cooking us for 75 80 points and overall, I think I think the good guards in the Big Ten are just obliterating us. Yeah, well, I think one of the problems is Illinois is just too slow on the perimeter against guards. Like, for as much length and physicality as they have, lateral quickness from their backcourt is not a strength of theirs, and I think that they're just getting straight up beat. Other thing, too, is I really have not liked the switch everything style that Brad Underwood has kind of gone to a lot here, where you're basically allowing – like, the problem is is – for as much as Illinois offensively, like we rave about how they exploit mismatches and they play this NBA style where, you know, you're going to find the mismatch, hunt that, go to that, attack that. They're kind of giving up those same mismatches on defense because when you're going to switch everything with Luke Goody in the game, teams are just going to get that matchup every single possession and go at him. And he's, that's, that you're leaving him out to dry in that situation. If he's got to guard Boo Booey on the biggest possession of the game against Northwestern, or if he's one-on-one with Malik Hall in the post and you're not going to bring any help. Um, and, and yeah, that's not going to go well for him. And teams have figured out that, listen, if we've got a big man who's a post threat, Coleman Hawkins is a big mismatch down there. If we throw it to our big man, Coleman Hawkins can't guard that guy. And Coleman Hawkins is a great defender, but He's just not a center that's going to play interior one-on-one post defense at a high level. He's smaller. He's not quite as physical. He's going to get beat by post-threat big men, and coaches have figured that out. So I just think Illinois, like you look on one end, they have so many mismatches for teams offensively, and that's what's made their offense so effective. And I think Brad Underwood has designed this offense into more of that NBA mismatch hunting style that I think fits this team really well because on paper you have so many mismatches size-wise and physicality-wise on offense. 
but you're giving up just as many mismatches defensively at this point because teams are hunting those matchups on your end, and you've got Luke Goody, who's not a good defender. Marcus Damask, really slow. If you get a, if he switched onto a guard, he's getting beat off the dribble, and you're going to have to send help there. And even and when you're switching, too, I think Illinois just has had some communication problems as well. Like, I think back to the first half, Coleman's second foul was just a total communication error. I think it was Damask and Harmon on a switch. Neither one of them wanted to guard Tyson Walker. Coleman gets left out to dry, has to come over and help, gets a foul. He's on the bench. Dane Danger has to play eight minutes. Michigan State scored like 20 points in that stretch. So I just think it's just it's not a good defense right now. It's a, it's a multitude of things. I don't necessarily think they're doing anything totally different philosophically defensively, but I just think that you get deeper into a season, coaches have more film, coaches can scout better, coaches know exactly what your weaknesses are. They're going to attack those weaknesses. They've done that. And I think Brad Underwood at times has been a little slow to adjust and put some of his weaker links in better positions. Um, and I think at this point, you're going to have to make some of those adjustments, like especially if you're going to run into uh, you know, an NCAA tournament, if you're going to run into a dominant big man in a matchup, like you just can't live or die with Coleman giving up 30 to that guy one-on-one. You got to make an adjustment. You got to send some help off their weakest shooter. You got to do something. If Luke Goody's going to get beat, if teams are just going to go right at Luke Goody and he's going to play the four and he's going to be forced to guard Malik Hall in the post, he's got to be on the bench. Put some more physicality in with Gary A or Ty Rogers. Like those adjustments just have to come at this point in the season. I think that's really what it is because the days of, you know, hoping this team can be an elite defensive team are gone. You're, they're not very good, but I think that there is room still to grow and there's some schematic adjustments that you can make to give some of those guys more help. But that's really just on the coaches and that's also on the players for being a little tougher on that end as well. I think that's part of it. So, um, yeah, it's a problem though. I mean, 96 since Christmas, you're not going anywhere in March with that unless you're Miami from last year, which again, total outlier. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I understand the concept behind switching everything. Like, I'm not saying stop doing that because it's February at this point. I don't know how much you can change in like a three-day stretch between games, stuff like that. But, um... I get the idea behind it because you look at just the roster itself, massive dudes, massive wingspans. Some of these guys are really athletic. Coleman, Shannon, super athletic. Ty Rogers, crazy athlete. I get the idea behind the switching everything, but like you mentioned, with the really slow Damask, really slow Goody who can get bodied by anybody, can we implement something where, like, switch everything except when Goody's being screened? Like, 
I understand. I don't know if you can actually do that, but like, no, no, but like, I you're absolutely right because there's certain times where they'll just willingly, like, it, I think back to Northwestern late screen. in that game. Yeah. They're not even screening, they're just rubbing off Luke Goody, and Goody's like, all right, I'm taking Boo now. Like, you can deny that switch if you're just communicating, if that's something that is being discussed in a huddle. Like, you do not have to switch some of these things. These aren't, some of these aren't even screens. They know Illinois is going to switch. And so they'll literally just run a little rub and boom, they get the matchup they want. Like, yeah, that's the type of stuff you absolutely can adjust. It was, I think Northwestern is the most frustrating example out of that. Boo Booey is standing 42 feet, 42 feet from the basket. And like, Martinelli comes and just like walks by, uh, Damask or whoever's guarding Bowie, and then Goody just like switches over to uh, Goody switches over to Bowie. Like, you could pay me one dollar a year, and I could think of a better defensive scheme than that. No offense, Underwood and whoever the defensive coach is, Chester Fraser probably, but uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I get like, it's like Brad Underwood thinks every player on the roster, every player on the floor is Coleman Hawkins. Like, Coleman Hawkins, we've said for four years, can switch one to five, which he. I'm not saying he can't, but he, he he can pretty well. Like he'll have matchups against like Tyson Walker. I know he got cooked a couple times against him individually, but he can get a stop against Tyson Walker if he desperately needs to. But like some of the some of these other guys like Gary A. Goody, they have the length, like six seven, six nine, whatever they are. But it just doesn't doesn't make sense defensively. Like they're kind of slow. They're not gonna be ever in a great position to get a block on Tyson Walker or one of these weaker guards or smaller guards. So it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Some of the stuff, like, they're just not – they're not fighting over screens very easily. Like, Michigan State ran a couple plays where Terrence Shannon is, is, like, chasing Tyson Walker through the paint. They get to the corner, and it feels like TSJ is just, like, one or two steps behind Tyson Walker. It leads to an easy bucket, it feels like. like some of the things, that just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, that could be somewhere where you switch instead of just easily switching at the top of the key when the ball handler's 35 feet from the hoop. I don't know. It's just, it's stuff that I think every Illinois fan that watches every game has noticed and is pissed off about, but they just haven't implemented any switches when they do have a, a roster that I think is made up of overall good defend, good defenders. Rogers, Shannon can be really physical when he needs to be like, needs to be like we saw him shut down Boo Booey last season in Champaign when he needed to. I think Sincere Harris would have been really nice to have this year, especially in this past month stretch, but obviously you don't have him. I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. And then off the bench, like you don't have a lot of depth outside of the guys that play. Dane Danger gets bodied when he gets in the game. And then you pretty much have three three freshmen, like Moretti, Gibbs Lawhorn. I don't think they're going to provide anything defensively. Maybe Hansberry, if he ever gets healthy, could be a little factor in the low paint. Like, I don't know. These are little things, but it's been frustrating defensively recently. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be up to this coaching staff to to adjust to some things because whatever's happening right now just isn't going to cut it. And part of that's just the players have to be better. But I think that there are some things that just you're leaving guys out to dry. Like even against Michigan State, like they weren't necessarily switching things late. They just had Luke Goody playing the four when you needed stops and Malik Hall was in. There's no reason for that. I, Quincy Guerrier didn't play well. He was in foul trouble. But if they're going to throw the ball into Malik Hall, Quincy Guerrier's got to be on the court to to be a matchup. He had him. four fouls, but there were four minutes left in the game. Like you're not yeah. worried worried about foul trouble at that point. So and, and Ty Rogers, to me, like you mentioned, fighting over screens and 
I think he's your best guy at that on your roster. I don't know why he's he on the bench over when he really needs stops. Well. Yeah. yeah, I don't. He shouldn't be on the bench when he needs stops. He's a guy that probably could have stayed in front of Hogard a little bit better. Um, so yeah, that to me defensively, this team has to be better, or they're not going anywhere this year. Because truly, like if you're not going to get stops. You can win some games where you're going to be in shootouts, and we saw that against FAU. You get 98 and you win a, a shootout of a game, and you're right there against Northwestern in a game in the 80s and 90s. I, that's not going to last for more than one or two games. At some point, you got to get stops, and, and shots aren't going to go. We saw that, like open looks that could have extended the lead, and one Illinois this game, they didn't fall. You needed to go down on the other end and get stops. You didn't get them. So defensively, this team needs to be a lot better. I think that they're in some serious trouble. Um, and I think to me, that's their biggest problem right now, but, um, let's close this out. Look ahead at this week, two games coming up should be easier than the one that you just had, especially the one coming up on Tuesday night against Michigan at home. That should be the get right of get right games. I mean, not only the Brad Underwood owning Jawan Howard factor, which is obviously big, but Michigan is the worst team in this conference. (laughs) I can say that with confidence they will come to Champaign. They won't have their best player because he needs to study for his exam. And uh, <laughs> and this is a Michigan team who was down 30 points in Lincoln on Saturday. You need to take care of this team with no worries whatsoever, in my eyes. And this is a bounce-back game where you got to be angry coming off this Michigan State game and take it out on a Michigan team that you're just so much better than on both ends of the floor. This cannot be a game where you struggle at home and you pull it out by four. That's not going to be acceptable against this Michigan team. It just isn't. This is a team that's dead, and uh, they won't have their best player I think it's the biggest get-right game you can have is at home against this Michigan team on a Tuesday night. I don't even really want to preview that one because, to me, the analysis is you better blow them out, um, truly. That's that's the analysis for that one. The bigger game, to me, is the one coming up on Saturday when you go to Maryland because it's a Maryland team that just has your number for whatever reason. They came into Champaign and beat you. They have not been good. I know they've played a little bit better here of recently, but – then again, you look at their last three. Have they lost three in a row now? I think they have. They lost to Michigan State um, in East Lansing. Then they lost at home to Rutgers. And uh, then they went to Ohio State, who couldn't buy a win to save their life and lose in two overtimes on Saturday. All of a sudden, they've lost three in a row. They do get Iowa at home on Wednesday before this game. But this has got to be a revenge spot, man. You can't lose. The, you can't get swept by this Maryland team. And they came into Champaign and kind of stunned you. This is a road game, which it's not going to be quad one, at least for now. It's going to be a quad two opportunity for you, so it's not really a huge resume booster. But for some of these road struggles, this is one where you really want to see some of those things go away and you take care of this Maryland team on the road, a team that I think does pose some matchup issues defensively. Like I thought they guarded you pretty well in Champaign, but it's a team that's been one of the worst offensive teams at the high major level this year. And uh, – revenge would be so sweet and finally getting that Maryland demon off your back, which for whatever reason has haunted Illinois uh, in years where Illinois has had better basketball teams in Maryland. What, what are your thoughts on that one? If you have any thoughts on Michigan as well, feel free to share those, but obviously this is the key one of the week, assuming you can take care of Michigan. I just think it's, it's a tale of two teams in the Brad Underwood era. One Brad just completely owns in Michigan and then one, completely has Brad's number in Maryland. 
So that's just an, an interesting thing for these two games this week. I'm going to say about the Michigan game, this is pessimistic, but there is nothing that's led me to believe we blow them out by 20. Like, is there? Like, we struggled with Valparaiso at home in November, could barely beat Indiana, struggled, struggled with Rutgers at home until the last eight minutes. Uh, who else am I missing? Like, Indiana. Nebraska completely choked the game away. Indiana, you blew out Northwestern, which was an outlier, I would say, because the they suck away from home, but like, I would be, a, I think I'd be a fool to say Illinois loses this game. I don't think they're going to lose this game at all, but I don't picture this being a 20 point blowout. Like we have been not terrible at home, but like just average at home in a country or in a league where everybody just dominates at home. Everybody beats crazy rank, gets crazy ranked wins at home, beats great teams at home, has great shooting performances at home. And Illinois has just done none of that. I don't want to get too much into that. I think we win the game, just not by a lot. I don't think we win by 30. I think it's very possible we do, but I, I'm just – I'm not a believer right now. And as for Maryland, I I said – I think a couple weeks ago we discussed, like, this eight-game stretch in February. I said Illinois has to win seven, and we already lost one. I said Michigan St- at Michigan State and at Maryland would be the two toughest. You just lost the toughest. I think this is a must-win not a huge resume loss, like not going to crush your resume if you lose, but like just for just the idea of losing to Maryland twice, like once again, just getting bodied by them. We lose every single game at Maryland, just a game you have to win, just coming off, hopefully, hopefully a get right game against Michigan, just a game you have to put out your best effort. If you're, if you're struggling, like in the second half, fine, just pull out the win. Like, you can't have these late game turnovers, these late game terrible possessions that lead to a loss against a much less, uh, just a much worse team than Illinois is. So I, I don't know. I don't have too much to say. I'm not too optimistic about this team right now, especially just because they haven't won big games. Beating FAU on a neutral site, that's a nice win. Uh, but FAU has kind of struggled since then, besides the Arizona win. You beat Michigan State at home, and then you pretty much lose every other big game. Like, at Ohio State's a quad one quad one win right now. Okay, they're a pretty much a terrible team. Like I get they're favorable in the net ratings, but like that's not a good win. That's not a great win at all. Illinois doesn't have a great win. They've had three or four attempts at that. So I don't know. I'm not too optimistic. I do think we go two and zero. I think we beat Maryland. I think we squeak one out against Michigan, or we beat it by thirty. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get. To me, like I understand what you're saying. Illinois has just not played well at home, but Michigan's a different animal to me than anyone. Like this is a team that loses their best player every other game, and, and Doug McDaniel, who's a guy who presents a matchup issue with the way Illinois is guarded, and, and other than him, like and their last three road games, I think they've lost by twenty plus in all of them, thirty two at Purdue. To me, you need to blow this team out or we're going to have some problems like if this is a game where you're having to come down at the under four timeout in the second half and like squeak one out by seven that's that's alarming like this is one where to me you have to put together a complete performance and beat this Michigan team it's it's more so about how bad Michigan is away from home and how much their team has given up on the season than it is like confidence that Illinois is playing their good great basketball at home I think it's time to do that Um, but either way to me I think that one, if you don't win it, then there's a different discussion. I think Illinois wins the game against Michigan at home. At Maryland, though, 
you're going to have to figure out how to guard Jameer Young and Julian Reese because it was a two-man show here in Champaign, and you got beat by both those guys. Jameer Young got anywhere he wanted, just had the whole discussion about defense, perimeter, switches. There's got to be a plan to stop Jameer Young. I, I trust that Brad Underwood will have one, and it's going to be different than the one that he had in Champaign. And I also think on Julian Reese as well, if you're going to let Julian Reese get 15 post-ups one-on-one with Coleman Hawkins, then you don't deserve to win the game. Maryland cannot shoot the ball. They cannot shoot the <laughs> basketball. Help off one of their 10% three-point shooters and give Coleman some help in the post on Julian Reese at home, who is very up and down, but we saw that he can give you 20. He's had a great career against Illinois so far in his three years. And uh, help off one of their 10% three-point shooters and and make sure that he's not going to beat you. And and with Jameer Young, I think he's going to get his. And a lot of the year for Maryland, it's been he'll get his 27 and they'll still lose because no one else can contribute. So to me, honestly, I you need some resistance on Jameer Young. I think there's going to be some aspect of like he's going to have his points by the end of the game. It's really just if nobody else gets going for them, which they really don't have many other threats than him, I think you should be in good shape. But at the same time, you're going to have to figure out a way to not let Jameer Young get switched on to Luke Goody and beat him off the dribble. That can't happen. I think you need a lot of Ty Rogers minutes in this game. To me, he's your best matchup for Jameer, even though I think that there's still some problems there. I don't want Ty Rogers sitting for 13 minutes late in this game, especially if it's close and it's going to be a grinder. I mean, every Maryland game's in the 50s and 60s pretty much. So if that's what this comes down to, you need your best defensive lineup in the game, your best rebounding lineup in the game. That is not Justin Harmon. That is not Luke Goody. That's Rogers as Quinn. C. Garrier. I hope that that's an adjustment that's made. And uh, please beat this Maryland team. Please beat Maryland. I can't stand another year where you get swept or lose to Maryland. It's, you lose to them in Champaign. That's one that's going to be a dark cloud over your resume all year. The only way to slightly make up for that is to then go to their building and pay it back. At that point, it's kind of a wash. So, um, this is a big one because if you lose this road game, then we do have to start having a discussion of Illinois can't close on the road. Illinois' three road wins are against the three most lifeless programs in the conference right now. So uh, this is one where it's not a good Maryland team. You should beat this team on the road. Um, and, uh, yeah, if if Rutgers can do it, you can do it. You know what? Uh... I think we might be due for a Dante Scott game, honestly. Like oh, they keep beating us, and he's not even playing well, dude. He used to I like forgot about those... him. He actually is a, a another threat, but I, uh, if he beats when they, again, when they would beat us three years ago, it was Dante Scott just dropped twenty and dunked from the free throw line. <laughs> but now these games, it's like Jordan Geronimo and Jamie Kaiser are burying threes and crunch time on you, like. I agree with you. If like if Quincy Gary is face guarding Jordan Geronimo instead of helping off and uh, helping off and helping on Julian Reese, like we actually have issues with this team. We do have issues defensively, but we seriously have issues if that's the case uh, next week. Because I I, th- I don't know. I think Brad Underwood is just super stubborn in some cases, like not changing game plans, playing some guys. I don't know. I'm I'm not like he's a great coach. Love him to death. I want him here for the next twenty years. But like. I don't know. There's some cases where he makes interesting calls, but uh, do you want to have a quick discussion on like your view on Illinois not winning these huge games, or do you want to save that till next week? Let's save that because we're already at an hour here. I think yeah. that's a, a larger All discussion right. here. I want to see how this week goes as well. 
Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, let, let's save that for next episode. Um, but yeah, no, to, just to, to kind of close out on that point there. Absolutely. Brad Underwood has a way that he wants to play and he's going to live or die by that. And I think that's just kind of how he is. That's how a lot of really good coaches are, but um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I think a lot of people have made a lot about how, Oh, Brad Underwood is horrible and adjusting in game as a coach. I think that's nonsense. However, I do think that there is a stubbornness to some of the things that he does uh, in game, but I think now, Really, this is one where there's so many easy adjustments to make against a Maryland team who's 189th in the country in offensive efficiency. Like, Illinois has got their defensive issues, but this should be a game where you can lock down and hold this team. If this team's getting to the 70s or 80s like they did to get 78 here in Champaign, or 76, I think, maybe is what they got to. Like, that's a huge problem. This is a team that is scoring in the 50s in a lot of these games. 53 points against Rutgers, who I know is a good defensive team. 54 against Michigan State. 60s. They were in, I think, 61 in regulation against Ohio State on Saturday. This this is not a team that should be beating you and having their two best players combined for 48 points like they did in Champaign. So I'm very curious to see how this game against Maryland goes because this needs to be a sense of urgency to go on the road, get revenge on a team that beat you, find a way to get stops against a poor offensive team. And also like <laughs> Maryland has owned you. It's time to take that personal and, and beat a 13 and 11 Maryland team. Who's not even going to sniff the tournament this year. Um, that is pretty much all I have. Any last thoughts for you here before we wrap this up? I think that covers it. Uh, reminder that FDU or Purdue give up, Purdue scored 58 <laughs> points against the number 361 Kampom defense in the NCAA tournament last year and lost to a 16 seed, the worst upset in uh, major major North American sports history. Just a, just a no oh, context I... reminder there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah kinda... I, know. I wanted to throw that in there. I'm, I'm still mad about that loss yesterday. It's kind of all we have now because congratulations, Purdue. You've won the Big Ten regular <laughs> season. That's That race is over with. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. Uh, we will see you next week here on the champagne on ice podcast. Make sure you go drop a follow on our Twitter account at champagne on ice, subscribe to the field of 68 podcast network, YouTube channel, find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll be back here to talk some more Illinois hoops next week. Go align. I have a great week and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.